You are listening to Rouge, White, and Blue, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Hello, yes, we are back. The Rouge Right Blue CFL podcast has returned after what seems like forever and with an extraordinarily long run as champions by the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. My name is Oz Davis, and joining me, as always, as it has been since the beginning many years ago, is the still healthy, still CFL-obsessed Joe Pritchard. Joe, how you been holding up? You know, if you'd asked a Bomber fan back in, say, November 2019, if they would still like to be champs in February 2021, I'm sure every single one of them would say, yes, sign me up without reading the fine print. Right. Exactly. It's one of those three wishes, right? It's one of those monkey paw things where you have to be exactly literal about what you want. (laughs) And if you're not, you pay for it. So... 
nice two-year run or two-off-season run as CFL champs, I guess. But apparently, we are going to play some real Canadian football this year. Okay, so as far as you know, Joe, they haven't officially said, yes, we're definitely kicking off when we say we're going to kick off. Am I right? They haven't really said a whole lot of anything. They put out a schedule and with the hope that they could make that work. And they haven't spoken of any sort of contingency plans, but we're still four months out from that. So I'm sure there's plenty of, there's plenty going on behind the scenes about what do we do if this, that, the other thing happens. But there's really no need for us to be privy to that at the moment because nothing's locked in. Right. Right. Well, let's hope that they make contingency plans because as we've seen in the time since Red and Blue has been off, uh, certain leagues such as the NBA did very well with what do we do if, you know, let's make an emergency measure now, as we saw about a month ago in the NBA, when they had some outbreaks as opposed to something like MLB, which really was not prepared to deal with the problem, ran very loose and ragged for a basically the whole 60-game season and didn't exactly get, I think, the best results. I don't think too many people were pleased with that season. So let's just hope the CFL is doing it right. I, I mean, when Gary Bettman's showing you up as how to run things, <laughs> well, uh, you didn't do a very good job. <laughs> yes, the NHL actually did a very nice job, too. The double bubble system worked very nicely um, along with the NBAs. However, as I understand it, at least in the NBA, a lot of those guys were really going a little bit nutty in that thing. In any case, let's. I'm, I'm actually excited because we actually have some CFL news, so we can actually talk about stuff. It's good to be back on the Rouge White and Blue. I'm sure I can speak for you saying that, Joe. Yeah, yes. Yeah, I, I, I checked. And the last time I talked to you was around Labor Day. Yeah. Like actual conversation rather than texts or what have you. Right. So, yeah, we're, we're well, well overdue for this. Right. And in fact, the last episode we had was about Alabama football as opposed to Canadian football. All right. Let's go down the list. Recently. The CFL official website, CFL.ca, ran a headline which made it look as though there had been a trade of two quarterbacks who never actually played for the teams that they were signed with, namely Matt Nichols and Nick Arba. They both pulled, they bo- both pulled the Kevin Glenn move. Right, right. Basically what happened is Ottawa and Toronto made cuts, and this is being chopped up to the unwillingness to pay that roster bonus. However, it worked out pretty well for Arbuck, who was being touted as a quarterback of the future after coming in for Calgary and playing well over seven games. He actually ended up with the starting job, so good for him. Um, what of Matt Nichols? What, what are we to make of this? Is this meaningful at all for Ottawa? Oh, absolutely. Because you have Matt Nichols and Paul Lapolis in the same place again, which you had in 2019. And last I checked, that worked out pretty well for the team that had them. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say that 
that's going to mean Ottawa is going to be great shakes. They have a lot of holes and it's been a couple of years now, literally, since we've been able to, since they've been able to see what they've got. They've got, we we're talking about two off season cycles and then the rust from sitting around last year. So who knows how any of this is going to look really. But when you're talking about that much of a lack of cohesion, that much of a lack of for better for better words chemistry, why not go uh, and have your head coach and quarterback be on the same page right off the hop? I think that's going to give Ottawa a uh, a little bit of a boost at least for the first month or two of the season while everybody else is trying to figure out each other. Damn. I was hoping you were going to say this. As an, as an Alouettes fan, I'm suddenly scared of the competition in the East. So the Tiger Cats, like a lot of teams in the CFL, are just re-signing everybody from 2019. Uh, the Red Blacks, again, for those who, who remember, in 2019 looked as though they had hit the reset button. Didn't they? It wasn't good. They didn't end well. They started off looking like they were going to fire on all cylinders, and then the wheels came off. Yeah, yeah, I seem to remember that they they were looking pretty ill at the end there. Nevertheless, improving themselves in the offseason. But the the one that's really intriguing, I guess, <laughs> considering, again, a lot of these rosters are staying the same from 2019, is uh, what's happening in Toronto. Uh, in addition to their new starting quarterback, Mr. Arbuckle, they also got Eric Rogers, a uh, longtime Stampeder, in a three-player, two-draft-pick trade with Calgary. You don't see that too often. Uh, also, they picked up Corey Speller, probably will be starting on the offensive line this year from Winnipeg. So the Argos are reloading. Now, while they got to do something, I mean, them and <laughs> Ottawa both had a long way to go at the end of 2019. Mm-hmm. Uh, so clearly Toronto's going the route of, well, Let's let's retool, reload, see what the young quarterback can do, and we'll sink or swim with him. Whereas Ottawa seems to be going back to the tried and true. It's not their tried and true, but it is a tried and true formula that might benefit them getting back on their feet, so to speak, faster than maybe Toronto will. But Toronto's got more of an upside uh, with the uh, with the less proven quarterback talent, but all the talent that they're trying to assemble around him. Yep. Again, good for them. Not so great for my Alouettes who expect to be competing with these guys. Especially in the last couple of weeks, I guess the biggest changes have all been happening in Edmonton. So what? This was where out of the blue head coach Scott Milanovic resigned. And just in the past couple of days, uh, Jamie Elizondo, formerly of the Red Blacks, uh, has taken over as coach slash offensive coordinator. Uh, He's reunited with Trevor Harris and his former defensive coordinator, Noel Thorpe, there in Edmonton. So how do you like these moves? I would say I would go back to what I said about Ottawa. Given how up in the air everything is, the more people you have on the same page at the beginning of the year, that might get you a couple of wins over a te- over teams that are trying to retool. I think Toronto, who we're talking about bringing in talent from left, right, and center here, I, I, are going to take a while to get out of the starting blocks because they haven't played with each other, and mm-hmm. everybody's rusty. All the other teams will be too, but the teams that have 
people that have worked together, especially if there's no preseason this year, are going to have that much more of an advantage knowing what each other's going to do before they do it. All right, I like it. Let's see if you remember this, you, Joe, and any of the listeners out there, okay? So Elizondo, of course, was known as being the offensive coordinator there in Ottawa. But do you recall what his last job was? I want to say he went to the XFL, didn't he? Exactly. He was over there with the Tampa Bay Vipers of the XFL. How many people still remember the XFL? Doesn't that seem like forever ago? I don't mean the first XFL. I mean like XFL 2020. Wasn't that like 10 years ago? Uh, you got the wrong American on the pod, on the podcast to be talking XFL. We need to get Rod over from Woodcookie. He, he, I'm sure he could tell tell you up and down about what was going on with the XFL the moment it, cr- it crashed and burned. I, on the other hand, uh, can honestly claim I never saw a snap. Uh, I saw I think three or four. I just wonder who remembers it. That was the thing once, you know, and it was last year, but it seems like forever ago, and it was forever ago. As for One of the bigger CFL news stories of 2019 when the season wasn't playing was, of course, all about the Edmonton team name. And so we now know, drumroll please, the EE football team will be known as... Oh, actually, we don't know. We don't know. However... Joe, I'm sure you've seen it, and a lot of the podcast, uh, The Empire and The Two and Out and, and pods like that have been talking about this, but I'm sure you've seen the list of 10 names. None of them excite me. <laughs> okay, well, just for any listeners who are not in the know, of course, the club closed down uh, the open suggestions box, I guess you could call it, uh, with 13,000 entries in in early December, and uh, they didn't release the actual vote totals on on these entries, and they just gave us the top 10 most popular. I don't know if they're going to choose from these. I don't know if there's going to be a vote on this. You'd think they'd have to do this fairly soon, unless they're going to go as the EE football team. It worked well for Washington this year. Well, well enough. I shouldn't say They won the division, so it did work. Yeah, exactly. They got the playoffs, right? And they do have an awesome defense, but I digress. And so the top 10 in alphabetical, well, roughly alphabetical order, is the Elk, the Empire, which the club president has said will not be named, the Eagles, which I can't imagine because it's so highly derivative, the Energy, the Elite, the Edge, the Express, the Extreme, the Explorers, and the Evolution. I, for one, cannot stand the uncountable names. I can't stand that. Evolution is kind of cool, but why not like the evolutionaries? Why not the evolutions? Are there suggestions that should be on here? I'm sure there are, but... Have you heard any good ones? Do you have any good ones that are not on here? Because I have a couple. If you're going to make me pick off of that list, I'm taking the Express not only for the Mm. alliteration that they're gunning for, but for the old school USFL connection. Of course, of course. The USFL Techmo, you're down. The Express, I like the other. That seems to be another kind of dark horse in the race. Yeah, they used it before. It's kind of traditional, but you still got that non-S name, which is good. And 
it's still unique. You know, most of the teams in the CFL have completely unique names uh, in most of football now that we've gotten rid of the second Rough Riders team. I like the original names in the USFL, and the Elk would be a nice original name. I think of these. I like, I, I, I really like that one well more than any of the other nine. Um, I heard a good one just today, actually, which was the Escargot, but it would be much more suitable for, you know, French camp. The other one, of course, that was that was being t- joked about uh, before even the pandemic was the Edmonton Edmontons, which which I really think would be hilarious. But well, the Winnipeg Winnipegs won the won the Winnipeg's first Grey Cup, so <laughs> see, see what a good, I think maybe they should again. I'm I'm lobbying for the Elk. Of course, I'm an American. I, I I'm not even an Edmonton fan, so. What do they care what I think? How about this one, Joe? Have you seen the Grey Cup on demand? I haven't actually yet. I haven't had a whole lot of time to go running around, but it looks pretty darn cool. This is a new, I don't know what you would call it, a new program being issued by uh, the official website, cfl.ca, where I guess every week or two, you'll be able to stream complete replays of i guess 60 years worth of gray cups is what they're shooting for yeah because it's I not all say they, i want to say they have a few highlights from the late 40s and the early 50s and then they start having full games i want to say 54 was the first full one they had but i might be wrong on that now it's been a while since i looked but then after that they'll show the full games uh, before that they only have news clippings and highlights and such to show but it sounds like they've done a good job in getting those and getting a lot of that pulled in from all over god knows where 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 they must have found some of that stuff (laughs) yes of course because this stuff is available on youtube but of course since it's the league doing it it as the backing of actual producers i mean we'll be getting that in high definition so it will be nice to see those old It'll be nice to see those old Angelo Mosca great cups again. <laughs> those classic Tiger Cats Bombers cups. You know, I saw them for my other podcast, Truly the Goats, but it'll be interesting to, to, to be able to see them in high definition. So go to CFL.ca to check these out. Definitely worth a look for those into CFL history. Or even just those of you looking to fill your football jokes because it still might be a while before we get CFL games. I wanted to mention this before. A lot of the wisdom in CFL Twitter and other people online interested in the league is that a lot of people seem to think that they're just going to start on Labor Day. Do you buy that? Well, that would be a good guess. Um, I mean, obviously, we're not going to know for sure until later on but it always seems like the old theory because and i i hesitate to say because but at the but it used to be that cbc would start their um cfl coverage on labor day right the league would start later than they do now they were starting starting in june now they might have started late july early august but then cbc would start up around labor day and so the and so the theory goes that the CFL season doesn't really start until Labor Day. That's about the halfway point now. 
So you could – by the halfway point, you tend to have a good idea of who's good, who's good and who's not anyway. But but then that that's when you, the races start for first place. And the races start for the playoff spots in in earnest, of course. The other thing is, of course, they, they tweak the schedule to make – to make it more regionalized, right? So, so the East will be playing more teams against the East and the West, more teams, more times against the West. However, if they cut it off on Labor Day, it's pretty much already weighted that way anyway, right? Yeah, that's what they would end up be end up doing. Yeah, right. So, so they could very well do that. Pull the trigger on that. And give us a ten game schedule, eight game schedule, maybe, and. Uh, <laughs> Of course, if this were America, they'd have extended playoffs, but pretty tough to extend the CFL playoffs behind uh, beyond what they already have out there. Come on, y'all! Come on now, you could do a double elimination tournament. You could you could extend this for you could extend wow. past Christmas if you wanted to. You just yes. had to get creative. Yeah, well, I mean, if you remember in the CFL, they used to do the one and one, but no one in the modern days going to accept somebody being declared the winner after going one and one in a two game set. So that's just not going to fly. Cumulative points is not going to fly these days. So, but double elimination. Now that's, now that's something else because you could still, you could add on several weeks like that and still like not kill the guys playing the game. You know? Exactly. Uh, yeah. You can extend the playoffs if you wanted to. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, complete, I'm being completely unserious with that. But eight of the nine teams make it. <laughs> you eliminate one team after eight games. <laughs> forget, for, forget that. Have have all nine of them in there. Why not? <laughs> you extend the playoffs by another couple of weeks. You're good to go. Wow. See, now you are thinking like an American. Okay. Um, in the I don't know what you want by year, but in the by season, uh, some of the guys in CFL fandom started up the cold snap tabletop football league. It's sort of an interesting blend, I guess, of old school Dyson board tabletop gaming plus internet communication. It's kind of a nice hybrid here. Uh, Commissioner Joe Pritchard, how is that league progressing? It's progressing how you'd expect it, except for <laughs> Baltimore didn't really rise to the occasion like we thought they were going to. Um, just to recap for people that are sane and haven't heard of this before. Um, <laughs> so there's six of us. Uh, a couple of the guys from the Turf District podcast uh, have Edmonton teams in this um, super fan. Mike has the 81 Eskimos uh, and uh, Andrew has the O3 Eskimos. Uh, then we have Rod from the Wood Cookie Sawcast, who is from the Sacramento area as, right now, took Sacramento uh, to to do something different and have a CFL team from his hometown represented. Uh, Greg, who is on Twitter as CFL Radio, uh, he has the 95 Stallions. And then we got Doug uh, from the um, Argo fans. He has the 91 Argos. So two American teams, uh, four four Canadian teams, because I have the 19 Bombers, because why wouldn't I? 
The two American teams are the have been eliminated from the playoffs. The four playoff teams are set with two weeks to play. Now mm. we're playing for seeding. Mm. And all the 81 Eskimos have to do to clinch the top spot in the playoffs is to beat the 19 Bombers or lose to them by less than seven points. Okay, so <laughs> here's what we got. Nice. Here's what we got. Scoring batters. Uh, who... Who won the Sacramento Baltimore game? Uh, Sacramento did, so Baltimore is okay. eliminated, and Sacramento okay. is also eliminated because the only team they can catch is the 03 Eskimos who swept them. Yeah. Okay. Great. So the standings <laughs> in the wait, let me get the name correct. The 2020. Hey, you got to change that name. The 2020-21 Cold Snap Dream Canadian Football League. That's the longest thin league I've ever seen. The standings board with two weeks left to play, as Joe just said, is 1981-2019 Do they hold the tiebreaker with the third place 1991 Toronto Argonauts 5-3, Joe? Uh, call them tied for second because wow. the funny thing is we just played uh, – I played Doug the last game. We went back and forth uh, and realized that the tiebreaker was aggregate points. So I'm I'm basically done. I've given I'm down two scores with two minutes to go. So I drive the field and score a touchdown to take the tiebreaker back by three points. So he drives the field and kicks a field goal to make that tiebreaker a moot point because it's I beat him by ten. He beat me by ten. So now we're down to like the sixth tiebreaker. It's like net points total. So we can't determine that for another two weeks. Plus, I, I, I haven't I haven't really felt like going back and checking to see where we're at at this point. So I have no idea. We're tied for second right now. But he's got the easier schedule. I'm assuming he's finishing second because I'm going to get knocked off by the 81 asks when they go when they go uh, crown themselves. Uh, as the regular season champions, I'm sure. And then I've got Andrew in the last game. And I believe Doug has one of the American teams. So uh, he's probably going to end up in second place. So that's why I haven't bothered to do the math. I think I'll have to do the math when it comes to me and Andrew to see who gets our butts kicked in the first round by the 81 asks. <laughs> yeah, yep, yeah, yeah, right, right. Yep, you'll have to see how much they lose by to the Eskimos. So the Eskimos aren't going to sit the starters in that last game of the season, huh? Oh, I doubt that. <laughs> uh, in fourth place is the 2003 Edmonton Eskimos at 4-4. Uh, in fifth place, Sacramento Gold Miners at 2-6. And, and in last place, the highly disappointing, highly disappointing, I must say, as a huge Stallions fan, the 1-7 1995 Baltimore Stallions, often thought to be well, one of the top three or four CFL teams of all time, right, Joe? I would say so. We had we had Greg on early. We had Greg on last summer, and he was blaming the coaching at that point. I can't. I can't. I can neither confirm or deny that. But he did. He did win his game against me. So, well, I I, I have a vested interest in saying it's not the coaching. <laughs> wow, that's the one win. Huh? Well, yep. Wow, that's going to cost you a home game there in the playoffs. Oh, probably. But he he should have won five or six, so he was due. So, okay, speaking as a coach in uh, 2019, 
when you have to, you know, travel back to the 80s, is that difficult? It's difficult because my offense is geared towards with the 20, 2019 Bombers team controlling the ball and not making mistakes. And if I make a mistake, I'm pretty much dead. So I have to be very cautious. I have to pay, play a very conservative game. And if I'm short by a yard or two on second down, well, sometimes you can get too conservative. So you really have to juggle between being too conservative or too aggressive because any mistake I make, it's going to be hard for me to catch up because I do not have a great downfield passing game. Uh, the, the the leading receiver for the Bombers uh, last real season had 600-some yards. So I can't bomb the ball down the field like, say, the 81 asks. <laughs> yeah. At the same yeah. time, they have to do that a little bit more because that's the way they're geared for. They're not geared for the short passing game. They're geared for the long ball. So he, so when you're coaching a team from the 80s, you have to take more chances. Yeah, well, that 81 Eskimos team is pretty good anyway. If I recall correctly, a lot of folks who weighed in on predicting this season before it started uh, had 81 Eskimos and the Stallions at the top. Right, uh, and I put them together. I ended up putting them together for Week One, thinking mm-hmm. that that was a Grey Cup preview. And well, right, right, right. <laughs> that this would this would determine something early, and it sure did. <laughs> right, it sure it sure did. Because I figured I figured they'd play Week One and Week Six, and then I'd see each other until the championship game. Give them a nice stretch of games in between each other. Because I thought those were the two teams, and then the four of us would be playing for third and fourth place. I had the the, the gold miners in the cellar all the way. Hey, they're competent. They are. They are. Not they not are. And actually, and actually, they're because I had to create them out of whole cloth for this. And there's formulas in order to do so. Mm-hmm. If you follow the formulas to a T, they're actually probably the third best team in 1994 because it's based on yardage, not points. Mm. So there okay. are mechanisms I could use to make them worse and i have and i've put some things in there that make them able to gain more yards on their own side of the field than there are than they can once they cross midfield that's Mm -hmm. a way you can tweak it but there's there wasn't a whole lot i could do to make them kind of be the 500 team they're supposed to be sorry for any listeners who are not into the minutia of tabletop gaming but you and I geek out on this stuff. <laughs> this is great stuff. I, I, I miss the days of creating the actual board game uh, players and teams and whatnot. It's fun on the computer, but it's not the same. In any case, well, what are we missing, Joe? Anything? Well, let's see. We've covered the big, big moves. Have we really wrapped up a year? Well, we wrapped up five months. Yeah, exactly. Well, what's next? When is the draft? April? Yeah, it's after the NFL draft, so... I would expect that to be early May to mid-May. Okay, great. Great. So I have plenty of time to actually study up on some of these guys. Uh, I'm never sure what to do about the guys coming out of Canadian colleges, but uh, give me plenty of time to dig up clips on these guys. And be sure and check out some CFL archives. Do you want to do a, do you want to do a show on one of the Grey Cups? Yeah, I'm game for that. Okay, all right. We will decide which Grey Cup we watch. Maybe we'll tweet about it, give you advance notice. Uh, and let's talk about a classic Grey Cup game on the next episode of the Rouge, White, and Blue. Until then, 
I'm Alice Davis for my co-host Joe Pritchard. We are out of here. Can't say enjoy the games, but instead stay healthy. Yeah, enjoy the games on the Grey Cup portal. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter. <laughs>